Hello everyone, and welcome to AI Unleashed, Beyond the Code podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and I'm thrilled to have you here with me today. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode of our everyday podcast, filled with insightful discussions, fascinating interviews, and so much more. Now, let's get something straight from the start. Today, we won't be talking about AI. Nope, not at all. We're taking a break from the technical jargon and exploring intriguing topics that go beyond the code. So whether you're an AI enthusiast looking for a change of pace or someone curious about the world beyond the digital realm, this podcast is for you. Get ready for captivating conversations, thought-provoking insights, and a whole lot of fun. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. But first, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can join us every day on this exciting podcast journey. Now, let's get started. Hugo in 2027 Sydney, Australia. Gera, aka London's Spider-Man on Earth 1067. Hugo, say hello to Spider-Man, everyone's favorite web-slinger. I'm fine, thanks, and I kept my promise to send you some. The jokes are all dad jokes, you see, and we're going for it. Both resorted to cheesy dad jokes to break the ice. Today's Spider-Verse is inspired by the relatively new release of Across the Earth's Surface, which I found utterly enchanted, as did the original film. Wonderful also, we'll get there Hugo, thanks for your patience. To all of our patrons, fans, and subscribers on Patreon. YouTube, we couldn't do it without them, could we? No, of course not, and for that we are eternally indebted. Sponsors that have consistently shown their support for your channel in our podcasts. Patreon supporters, and we'd want to extend our gratitude to them as well as all of our regular viewers, subscribers, and everyone else who has supported us. That, you know, talks to us and sends us nice messages on YouTube, and if anyone's feeling down about whatever, they'll let us know. I'm at a hotel, so they can't see Keanu during my regular act. Isolated in my hotel room on NSW's northern coast with nothing but my laptop, and it's. We're recording this in my apartment, so the camera isn't really high definition. This could be for the best. I woke up this morning, and as you can hear, we started recording quite early. It's late here in London, 10.40 p.m.m., which is really midnight, but yeah. Initially held opinions. Okay, as I promised, let's get right into the episode. Which, uh, blew people away in the Spider-Verse for many. I don't think it's just because the film's message is so moving. Has a fantastic plot, but the film's visual style was awful. A departure from the norm of Western-themed CG animation produced in the United States at the time. And, uh, I suppose it started a fresh discussion on stylistic animation, didn't it, Hugo? Regarding these expensive movies that have gotten us used to Pixar and DreamWorks. And this was not at all like the CG-ness stuff, as I'm sure I've already told you. I know the moviegoers are going to kill me for this, but I informed Ian that I would be arriving at the theater quite late. I know I shouldn't, but I've watched the movie three times this week. Movies that were released in 2018 that I watched in 2023. What I've seen thus far. I ruined not only the original movie, but also the sequel, and I know it's all my fault. I've watched a bunch of trailers and I adore the film's style and I even saw a few minutes of it. I caught a few keynotes about this film from its presentations at the VIEW conference and FMX. I was there for a lot of the production and immediately purchased the Blu-ray, then the 4K Blu-ray, upon its release. Came out and got the book, and here it is for those who are interested. I have thousands of grains of rice yet, for some reason I've never viewed it. I haven't seen The Revenant for the same reason I haven't seen The Hobbit movies. I'm aware of this, and I've seen both the film and the book because I didn't want to be spoiled, so I didn't read the book until I saw the movie, and I was blown away by both. I literally just watched it for the first time this week, and it was superb beyond my wildest dreams. I know this episode has nothing to do with the sequel I saw today, but I couldn't help but think it was funny since I did.
on IMAX, and it's somehow better than the original, I have no idea how. Spoilers ahead, so if you want to avoid them, skip ahead a few seconds. But we also know that there will be a third one, if you. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this film, and that's the amusing part. And I, personally, feel the same way I did when I first watched it. I watched it using a 4K projector, which was near enough to a theater experience to make up for the fact that it was sold in 3D. I wish I did, but the closest thing I can get is to say that the whole thing was a lot like an. The feeling I got when I first saw The Matrix, or something on that level. Surprised me because I didn't think we'd be doing anything visually striking in class. Stunningly gorgeous, to the point where it ranks among the top animations I've ever seen. I have a new perspective thanks to what they've done. I don't want to monopolize the conversation by asking you to tell me your thoughts on the animation after you've seen it. Did you at the time, and how did you feel about witnessing this in retrospect? Movies forthcoming that were based on comic books. And this release of superheroes and the like came at a time when we. During a period when many people felt there were already too many legendary superhero pictures, some. To be honest, animation was starting to look a little bit repetitive. Film analysis. The film's trailers, uh, impressed me, but when audiences saw actual footage from it, they were shocked. I didn't think Sony showed too much in the trailers, either. About what was going to happen in the film and how unconventional the approach will be. Was it that they knew, deep down, that it would shock people? Watching it for the first time in the theater, and I can well relate to how you feel. This is actually 2D animation, and then you find out that it's basically a Sony production. Pictures, the, which had done many animated CGI movies before. Using computer-generated imagery, CG, animation and, afterward, a wide variety of techniques and compositing methods, of which more below. Added later on top of their CGI animation, but if you're asking about my initial reaction, you. I saw it twice and then did a ton of other stuff, but both times I was absolutely ecstatic. We conducted interviews and viewed a number of presentations. Because, as we all know, this is not a story about Peter Parker, but rather Miles Morales. Something that, despite the existence of an entire comic book dedicated to it, I don't think a lot of audiences had fully grasped. Book series with Miles, and a massive video game for consoles such as the PlayStation 5. Which, when it was released in 2020, was like smashing sales records. So, since I spent so much time with Miles Morale when it first came out, it is always at the back of my mind. And I was familiar with the protagonist from that, but wow, this tale is incredible. This is a wonderful tale, isn't it? It's a story of friendship and love, and it will warm your heart. About being in a new place and about how it's still the standard Spider-Man tale despite the fact that he's not at home. Like feeling alienated, but amplified by his upbringing. Due to the fact that I believe this university to be very prestigious and because of the brand new school. The film's cast and crew are all top-notch, and we get some particularly touching moments involving the protagonist and his father and uncle. Is the plot is excellent, but, and please don't take this as a fault of the film, I have to state. I just wanted to let you know that there is a different version of the film on the Blu-ray, if you. Extras on the Blu-ray are fantastic. As a result, I've seen the movie three times on Blu-ray and once on normal old TV. The film's audio commentary, which features all of its directors, was also a highlight. If you know how it is with, say, for people chatting, you'll agree that the audio commentary is fairly funny. A way, uh, it's almost like a podcast, but when I first saw it, I. I saw this other world version that was just halfway accurate. An additional hour, as well as a number of previously unseen segments, which, of course, are merely filler. Boards, stills, or concept drawings, there is no animation in a storyboard. Then, the voices are present because they recorded every one, but there are rarely any new visuals. They got as far as the animatic stage before being abandoned, however the irony here is that the new. The history between Miles and the other characters is fully revealed in this edition.
There's a whole backstory to the guy who lives in Morales's dorm room, the guy he calls Morales's friend. Where they're watching Spider-Man flicks to learn how to become heroes themselves. Spider-Man has a ton of backstory, including his relationship with his uncle, and is hilarious as a result. The backstory with his father adds at least half an hour, and, like I said, they probably didn't want to make a four-hour movie, so I didn't want to be too critical, but I did wish they'd. Shots were fired because if there was something I felt the first time I saw the film that I didn't feel the second time, it wasn't that strong. The second one is considerably more in-depth, however I thought the pacing was a little off. I felt that there were too many action scenes and not enough story in the first film, but I'm looking forward to the sequel. Due to the fact that they eliminated a lot of the film's running time, which is understandable given that the original script called for three hours. Despite the immense expenditure that would have been incurred to do that in those 50 and 60 minutes, they preserved it all. Hour, but I really think everyone should see it because it will change the way they look at things. You can learn a lot about the tale just by watching it, even at the storyboard stage, because the actors are so skilled. Basically, they give their best in those deleted sequences, and you get to see the results. The creators, directors, and cast have to have struggled to hold back. A large cast, and that's because this movie gave us access to so much more. The multiverse concept, which gave authors the freedom to experiment with zany ideas. Let them have all those fantastic cameos that are more like characters in the film, like Black Cat Spider-Man, Black Cat Spider-Pig, Black Cat Noir, and so on and so forth. It had to be difficult to think, well, he's going to be an audience member. Favored, but there's just so much we can include him in. I think they found a good middle ground, but you're absolutely right, Hugo, every wildly. I can see why they cut that scene from the film, however I can see why you'd want to see more. Because, you know, we've all seen the cinematic adaptations of the story, from Tobey Maguire to Garfield, and I think we've all seen it before. But we've all seen the amazing Spider-Man, so we're familiar with the mechanics and origin of Spider-Man's spider-senses. Since we've already seen all of this twice, it seems unnecessary to go into great detail. Think it's great joy to see the ingenuity with which they've presented a false film. Like a movie about Spider-Man, except the viewer thinks it's a how-to-guide for becoming the superhero. And it's a great twist on things overall, but you know what I mean. If you're looking for a recommendation for an Oscar-worthy film, look no further. Animation industry, and I think we're already witnessing the results of this groundbreaking film. In the film's aftermath, we can already observe a subtle shift in the protagonist's appearance. Let's have a conversation on how movies are being reimagined for the 3D format. Recent trends in film style. I keep emphasizing that it was a departure for American Westerns on purpose. Animation, which I know so well because I write about the field. Of course you know Japanese, Korean, and Chinese, someone will inevitably say. Taiwanese and French animations are both characterized by their use of 2D stylization and off-kilter narratives. Clearly, the Spider-Verse is not the only regularly airing 3D animated series. First to do so, but there was activity in terms of what was possible. The classic Walt Disney animated films feature photorealistic computer-generated imagery or Disney's iconic 2D animations and DreamWorks cutting-edge 3D features. Even ImageWorks, which was performing most of the work for hire, was illuminating Pixar movies. And several Sony animated features had progressed to the stage. They didn't necessarily look all that great, whether as cartoon characters or in their full ECG environments. Identical, but they aimed for a photorealistic style of animation. Might be able to render an Arnold, uh, Arnold, you know everything. There are many various renderers available, but I think the audience, and maybe even I, would agree that I am the best. As an illustration, we were starting to become tired of that style, despite how. It was amazing, and as soon as Spider-Man, the animated series came out, it had what we now refer to as non-fertile realistic. I'd say it was an 11 on the scale of rendering or stylized animation. Yes, yes, we then you know. 
Iconic animation studios like DreamWorks and Pixar have started expanding their NPR offerings. Sometimes that was for atmosphere, but often it had to do with adjusting frame rates, a major thing that the Spider-Verse does, um, I don't think the other studios have gone as insane as Spider-Man's universe, but it's wonderful to see something different for a change. It's funny how there are so many different styles of animation out there right now. About this is that it's obviously influenced greatly by the comic book itself, which is in a manner very American, so I find that to be quite interesting. I get that you're hesitant, and I appreciate the discussion about how, yeah, we do have manga and French. Yes, we have everything else in animation, but the comic book is essentially an American. The popularity of comic books and newspaper strips is nothing new to the United States. Comic books featuring iconic American heroes like Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman have an instantly recognizable visual style that is uniquely American. Boards, your eyes, and how you see color deviations, misprints, alpha tones, and alpha tonalities. I've always been fascinated by all the seemingly insignificant details depicted in comic books. We've never seen them at least like this on the big screen, and I believe that's a shame. For them to do something so daring at a time when, as you put it, everyone was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Watching CG, 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 everything is CG, and there was a period when people abandoned the real world in favor of CG, and now everyone is watching CG. We're utilizing some novel techniques to make us feel as though we're returning to the past. Using CG in tandem with elements discovered in the artwork. Of these comic novels, and I suppose the irony here is that we constantly peruse them. Books are more likely to have better illustrations than movies. You have a ton of art books, and I have a ton of art books, and every time we look at them, we both think, oh my god, this looks so amazing. Stunning but I've found that the book is almost always superior to the screen adaptation. Film, and I look at the spreads in this book, and I feel like they've nailed every single sequence. Shot like a painting from this volume, which is no small feat. The way they've merged and mixed styles, moving more toward a comic book aesthetic without really committing to it. Tilting toward the cartoony, hand-drawn aesthetic yeah, and you mentioned the Hugo things. Flaws in comic books continuity caused by the printing process. Which, in turn, comic books do a meta-nod to as well. Those discrepancies in the film aren't flukes, they were done on purpose. Where it's possible that lines, outlines, and gradients won't. The colors don't match, the cars don't follow the characters, etc. I learned a lot from this movie, and I expect to learn much more from the sequel, which we will definitely see. Include a segment along the lines of oh yeah, we're doing that, yeah, we're doing that for sure. This is a huge improvement above previous attempts at making an almost the most dangerous aspect in making this American animated flick. Because doing so raises questions about whether or not the film's makers intend to alienate viewers. Eliminates the need for the infrastructure used in creating computer-generated animation. There was a long period of time where the motto was well let's build the setting, let's model and rig the characters, and then we can basically use, you know, the Spider-Verse, and those in it use them in pretty typical ways in the moments. I think it's safe to say that contradictions are what the audience is reacting to. It's challenging to combine different styles. I haven't watched a film this interesting in a long time, and I consider it to be among the most artistic I've ever seen. Time, 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 and the reason I say this is because they were able to emulate the work of the show's creators. Many people contributed to this film, too numerous to identify individually, but everyone involved deserves credit. Them because they're all fantastic, but more to the point, they accomplished something I viewed as remarkable. Impossible, you know, we always cringe at the fact that you see 3D with 2D, it's it's like the example I give all the time, oh, that doesn't really work very well. Now it's like a cross between a manga and an animated feature from the 1930s or the 1960s. Together with the computer-generated backdrop, it seems like nothing should function. They were able to make it work through some unknown process, 
and the reason they were able to do so is because they've. As a whole, they've been animated with wildly varying tones, such as the you know. The manga portion is identical to any other manga film, but the animation is seamless. Take Miles Morales, who, among other things, is animated in a two-dimensional style. It's almost as if they've mastered the art of facial sync to pull off this performance. Them to all look the same since the 3D light interaction has been preserved, preserving the rim effect. Lights you still have the lights, so the characters may be seen from a distance. Akin to 2D, but really rendered in 3D and tinted to look like 2D. 3D models made to look like 2D with the addition of lighting and reflection thanks to the model's 3D nature. Light, and that is the trick, that is why they go together so well. That's why they click, you're right, you can tell by the way the ball bounces. Embedded in each and every frame, not tacked on nor extraneous. For the sake of effect, I'm going to cross out some of these words and phrases. And you're correct, there is that incredible 3D to 2D translation, which is why it's so fantastic that they do. Originates from the film's custom 3D software, but as we'll see. Hugo also has a substantial compositing component, and the compositing expertise of ImageWorks is worth discussing. In addition to their 3D animation tools, my knowledge of how a live-action scene should appear helped a great deal. You might be inclined to agree, and we will certainly get there, but first there's something about the film's origins I'd want to discuss. Opening Sequences Sony wanted to keep the Spider-Man property running in multiple ways, and there's the Lord and Miller side of things. Means, and they essentially penned the script and conceived the idea, and it was great. After hiring the first director, they also hired an art director, and now. I'm about to completely botch the work of a semi-famous director named Alberto Milgo. Name, but he did establish early on the kind. The film's aesthetic, uh, relies on a few of iconic shots that didn't stick around for the movie, and now he's on to other things. Perhaps he's just a bit of a rock baker, I get the impression that he does what he pleases. The Witness O, oh, in Love, Death, and Robots in Part 2, when the public finally got to see his incredible work, was released years later. That had a fantastic aesthetic, and it had some lovely, natural animation. Reference shots, but I wanted to give a shout-out to him because there were a few crucial concept. Photos created early on that I believe established the style for what the Spider-Verse will become. Seems like Sony improved upon the original and made it even better. I thought I knew what Alberto was bringing to the table, but then I remembered that he. That incident where we glimpsed Alberta's potential was quite intriguing. Besides the films he made for Love, Death, and Robots, he's also directed a few more that you might be familiar with. Those unfamiliar with the Spider-Man universe may be surprised to learn of his existence. Universe for a little period of time, and yes, of course, of course, that is humorous because there are so many individuals in the universe. It's nice to see directors giving due recognition to all performers. In this endeavor, and they discuss how they can't stand this effort at all on the other commentaries. Very rarely do you see three lead performers in a single production, but you've managed to pull it off here. And they kept insisting, we are here talking in English, on the audio commentary. It's not just us, though, it's the hundreds of others that contributed to making this video a reality. Due to the fact that everybody played a role in this creation. They recommend doing this project, and it's disheartening to see how much work went into it. It was refreshing to see how modest they were about their role in the film and how they acknowledged the work of others. Continue mentioning people by name in your commentary, I find it incredibly endearing. Directors in the truest sense, which makes sense given their backgrounds in animation. Storyboarding, and they have experience with 2D animation, so I have no doubt they can handle the challenges of 3D animation with ease. It's wonderful that you're already acquainted with the volume of work on show here, that's a nice touch if you're going to try to name drop. The making of the movie's unique magic. There's a humorous aspect to this that relates to the method by which this was accomplished, and seeing is how you brought it up. This kind of creative endeavor cannot be started and completed in a short amount of time.
I've worked on far easier projects, but this is the sort of stuff I enjoy doing. It takes a great deal of time for even those to achieve a certain style. On occasion, they had 50, 60, even 70 people, as they note in the commentary. Shots, and whoever is hearing might be like, oh my god, that's so bad, oh my god, that's so bad. Awful, I don't know how they come up with so many variations, but I feel compelled to point out to everyone concerned that. It's not easy to think of something this unique, because it's so unlike anything else. I don't think you can get to a degree of originality, while drawing from so many things that already exist there. Without making a million different variations, there's no way to guarantee quality and a certain level of appearance, therefore when I hear them stating. I totally get it and agree with them that 70 drafts of this sequence were created before they were satisfied with 66. I can't fathom the effort required to create this language. They created an entirely new tongue and now they've taken it to the next level by amplifying it online. I was surprised by how much I liked the sequel to a film because I thought the first one was great. They may not have gone all the way, but they certainly raised the stakes. In a new visual direction, which is fascinating, but I'd still like to have a chat with you. I just wanted to make sure I wanted to talk about this one note I had because, you know, that. In contrast to works created by artificial intelligence, this film. I find it amusing that recently everyone seems to be constantly discussing artificial intelligence. The hottest topic of the season, everyone can't stop talking about artificial intelligence. It's fascinating to watch what I consider to be the best film ever made. The pinnacle of the artist's combined inventiveness, it's. In many ways, it's the polar opposite of what AI is doing but it's also one of the most artistic projects I've seen in a long time. It's hilarious to consider how this movie may have led one to believe that. I don't think it's likely that something like that would have probably been made that way, and it can only be made for real because to the hundreds of very talented people who contributed to its creation. Artists who actually participated in this project, so now I'm viewing the video via their eyes. So, you know, since 2018 is when the movie was released, but today, with all this talk about AI and artificial intelligence in general. The decline of the creative industries due to automation and the elimination of concept arts. When I consider the film's AI, it's fascinating to see these kinds of ventures almost putting up a fight. That, the second film in this Spider-Verse, is currently playing in theaters, and it looks fantastic. The artistic community seems to be taking note of all the developments in artificial intelligence and reacting negatively. Artistic goal, upping the ante and making it that much more challenging to achieve. Nonetheless, I think it's fascinating to examine how this movie is similar to other works in the genre. Shattering convention and creating a creative take on the present. It seems that people in general are starting to lose interest in creative visions, but then there's this movie is quite popular, and yet, when we stop to think about it, we realize that very little has changed. Okay, it's off topic, but I wanted to say that since I think you and I both agree on something. I'd be interested to know, in spite of us entering the Spider-Verse so long, whether or if any of the generative art stuff has been available for some time. Have any of those been used by concept artists? Do it, but you're right that the utter inventiveness and originality of the artists is plain to see. It's great fun to arrange the pages of your book in a certain way. With concluding frames, oh yeah, and uh, there's something, too, and you already knew that. Said it, but it was also like buying a book on the art of any other animated picture and thinking wow I didn't know that. I really hope they make this movie, but realistically, this sort of thing occurs quite frequently so I won't be too harsh. Because I frequently picture those thumbnails, color schemes, and concept art. You know, they're just sitting there waiting to set the tone for a scene or a photograph. Not necessarily what it seems, but they are the ultimate. Maximal artistic expression by a single creator, equivalent to commercials and filmics. When we're hired by visual effects studios, we conduct what's called the paint-over which is covering up some relatively straightforward shots with new ones. Initially rendered in computer graphics, 
the final product is often painted by a skilled concept artist or matte painter. Decisions regarding lighting, specifically rim lights, can spark a burst of inspiration. We stop worrying about the budget, the pipeline, and oh can we afford that, at that very point during production. It doesn't matter if we do this or not because it's just one guy with a paintbrush who uses Photoshop to make his masterpieces. His inventions are cheap because he's merely making brushes and doesn't put any thought into them. Worried he isn't worried about how it will move, instead, he seems to be. I was just drawing the strokes and thinking, oh, they'll figure it out eventually. This movie, which I suppose leads us naturally into discussing the painting on top, although I disagree with. Making a brand new supply line. The fact that they were able to successfully translate that environment is fascinating. Digital painting in concept art by. An extremely ingenious pipeline including computer-generated imagery, painted over top, and then rendered. Coming full circle to computer-generated imagery, I found those applications to be among the most ingenious. Of a computer-generated pipeline that, in my experience, produced really remarkable paint. Lines that appear on top when they're functioning, known as overs, and the. Since it uses less computer graphics and is less automated, the film becomes considerably more fascinating and organic. Becoming more artistically sophisticated, indeed, as you say, the drawing on top accounts for the book's resemblance. Hugo is discussing an interesting aspect of a book that is itself fascinating. Where the conversation tends to lean more toward inclines and contours, and I recall having a brief exchange with the The VFX suit for Danny Dimion and the other one was created by Sony Pictures Images Visual Effects Supervisor. One of the terrifying aspects, but one that I believe inspired a great deal of local artists, was that Imageworks had a channel for creating computer-generated animated films, a medium which has seen extensive application in this country. Construct with standard CG software, animate in Maya, create effects and procedural content. The Houdini team uses Katana and modified version of Arnold to produce high-quality renders for Danny Boyle's latest film. I was told that there were certain shots and sequences that required many breaks in the pipeline. What they knew right away they had to include to not just make it seem like a comic book. Characters a fresh range of feeling by giving them tilts, which are most noticeable on their faces. Lines drawn in ink. The addition of inclines was a boon to automobiles, however buildings and other non-moving objects benefited less. I think these incline scenes would have worked better in the first film, but required direct application to Miles's face, for things like nose bridges, etc. A lot of effort went into the areas around the eyes and the rest of that sort of thing. Because the animation is in 3D, but the 3D doesn't extend to the hills and valleys, and do you basically commission a new artist for each character shot and have them paint each angle correctly? Since they're quite flat, do you follow a character's movement to the right or the left? Image Works requires you to manually paint the angle of any motion you're familiar with. Equipment that allowed slopes to conform to the contours of CG frames and objects, but also, so that painters could depict them separately and emphasize. They, uh, Hugo, there were some artificial intelligence tools, machine learning tools, produced, so. I believe that a great deal of it occurred quite naturally. Uh, by hand, like, that's how you're supposed to do things, right? Meaning that it is interesting because they employ both and that's the thing because yeah, in certain cases they do. Even the Ali commentary acknowledges the possibility of such a scenario, noting that sometimes imagine especially when there's like this. Images captured in time of a force, an explosion, or even just lines trailing. They said that when making Spider-Man, they'd occasionally just paint an entire frame at once. Something by hand, because that frame is going to be right in the center of the action and it looks cool. Sequence that makes painting easier and quicker, but when there is a lot of talking. Sequence, which is more difficult, because, as you pointed out, it would take long to paint all of it. Houdini's highly sophisticated animation pipeline is responsible for the hilarious results. 
because they may rig the lines in the CG character like they were a piece of paper after drawing them in Houdini. CG like a race, which, as you say, is significant because the faces are moving, but also because this movie came out in stereo, sure, and that meant they had to, uh, I dunno, maybe someone can fill me in on this. If I ask a stereographer, they'll tell me that's unimportant because you can handle any situation with stereo, roto, or both. Those inclines in stereo are visible if one looks, and there are a variety of shapes to choose from. Definitely, without a doubt, without a doubt, they would have looked weird in 2D, and so yep and. Moreover, you're right that machine learning has been applied in this context as well. Because there is so much talk in this film, especially during the parts where. Together with his father, Miles Morales is riding in a police car. We don't have a mask for lengthy stretches of time, and he interacts with the family the whole time. The second movie has even more lines of dialogue, and you can clearly see his face in them all. Can aid, and such information is excellent for machine learning because it allows one to tailor the computer to one's own needs. Figure out if the line should continue in a lateral direction as the device turns. Shader outlining has always been a bit of a pain. Never completely works out due to a lack of continuity in the lines and the Using machine learning for prediction is a no-brainer when lines end up in the wrong spot. Due to the fact that the system requires training with a variety of sequences. I mean, it's incredibly creative and everything, and I really dig it. Watching these clips also aids the public in other ways. As a companion piece, because it induces a oh my god, they drew all. The fact that all of these illustrations are hand-drawn adds a touch of romance to the whole thing. Clips of them painting on the Wacam tablets, which sort of happened but also didn't, making the whole thing a bit of a mystery. Almost as though having this kind of insight into the story's production process aids in selling the plot. It's also noteworthy because this time we have access to such uncommon behind-the-scenes views of software. See people interact with software in these revealing behind-the-scenes clips. The process was laborious and time-consuming but the end result more than makes up for the effort. Paid off because it resulted in a 100% perfect result. Capture the spirit of a comic book in a freehand drawing, as in the image I just. Stop looking at it now since these are some of the stills that the directors were using. They mentioned in the comments that they painted and did some other stuff in there on the side. Of frames are really tough to accomplish in 3D, therefore we had to resort to 2D for this. I believe that the hard work of the human hand is what makes this film so successful. Enhances the film's visual appeal, so uh, sure, I'm with you on that. Yes, and finally, something we hadn't seen before in Western American cinema. In the same way before, unusual, never previously done in the same. Previously, there was a combination of frame rates for animation that I believe Hugo was responsible for the no-motion blur and higher frame rates. One, two, three, four, and no-motion blur, that's great. Some sort of stepped appearance that you know gave it. Similarly to a panel from a comic book, but with a little something extra. Unique, handmade aesthetic, and I imagine that's just how animators want to keep it. Cherished working with their hands on everything and everything, having become accustomed to working with only moving with ease and a gestural style. Animation, both traditional stop-motion and computer-generated, and I adored the no. Blurring of movement, though occasionally they did manage to sneak it in, more on that in a moment. Also, the frame rates might be tricky because they tend to be fluctuating. For post-production CFX and Houdini simulations, frame rates can have repercussions. There were, no doubt, explosions, smoke, and other unpleasant elements that Max had to endure. Difficult, but what did you think of the film's stepped animation style? Did you find it engaging? Because we're so used to seeing CG and CGI, it's not something that many people even consider. Because everything here is computer-generated or simulated, rendering it at the standard 24 frames per second is a significant challenge. Frames per second, while a typical animation, if you look at it from a different angle, has 
classic cartoons such as those produced by Ghibli or, say, the French cartoons featuring Asterix. It's 12 frames, similar to animations from the 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s. Per second, not 24, which is a major issue because you're dealing with fabric and tissues, explosions, particles, and everything else that shouldn't be there at all are all present. Simulated at greater refresh rates, and in fact, whenever we do any kind of computer-generated simulation. For the sake of a more fluid simulation, we often use a larger number of frames than we plan to actually render. That's why they had to fake it and then drastically reduce it. Two-frame animations to make it appear as though there were 12 frames per second. Really challenging and, when experimenting with the 12 frames per second, somewhat similar to the other tasks in terms of difficulty. In a split second, it can become really unsettling, especially if there are any pans or all sorts of issues may arise when someone is going at a breakneck pace, and in fact, behind the scenes, they may even have excellent illustrations of the issues caused by basing the animation on twos when the cloth did not. On twos, as doing so might cause stuttering effects to appear unexpectedly. Fascinating, especially considering how motion blur, as you pointed out, is also tremendously smart because, well, it's smart and in two ways, because, one, approach it's a fantastic technique for creating a comic book effect, but there's also the alternative of not rendering motion blur. That they will, without a doubt, be able to render far quicker, given that. Blurred motion takes a long time to render, so removing the motion bar helped a lot. Quicker rendering time for them, not that they intentionally did so, I didn't want to imply so. Aided their ability to render more frames, which in turn encouraged further experimentation. Versions since it is significantly quicker without having to worry with motion blur and depth of field, because both these. I mean, come on, just picture Rex having done true Spider-Man stuff, I can see why it would terrify the crap out of creatures. Films, using their Arnold renderer, which can take hours each frame and other time-consuming. Issue here mainly with motion blur, as there is sometimes blur and other times there isn't. Contrived motion blur. In particular, I agree with what you say about the second group. Camera pans, which can be choppy without motion blur, they apparently did some post-production work there. They'd utilize streaks or those half-tone dots to make it look like there was more going on. You, the audience member, should imagine blurred movement so that this is what it's supposed to be doing, you realize, the blurriness is intentional, this is simply a different kind of presentation. Blurrier than a live-action picture, but not as blurry as you'd expect. Traditional animation methods such as streaks and smear frames provided most of the motion blur. Or several limbs executing the sorts of things we see in comic books and on old. Those old Anna Barbara cartoons are cool, and I have to admit, the picture is effective. Historically speaking, they had done some really great stuff in the realm of animated movies. Movies like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Hotel Transylvania are examples of the more stylized. There are a lot of blurry shots in those Transylvania movies, and you're right, Jack. Models failing, etc., but this just elevated it to an entirely new level. Yes, of course, unquestionably, without a doubt, I can see how the timeless appeal of the lack of motion blur and animation on various variables is largely responsible for Spider-Verse. Yes, the frame rates make it feel like you're watching an animated Spider-Man cartoon from the 50s or 60s. Flicks, which is very awesome, and it made the whole thing feel extremely natural because it wasn't CGI'd. It's a painting, or it seems like a smur painted it with a brush, which, in some cases, is exactly what happened. The many limbs are an example of something that was constructed as a rig on the computer graphics side of things. NCG, although the smearing is inherently present in composting, for instance. Illusion of focus. Goes for depth of shield as well as depth of field, and it's all handled quite cleverly. The aberration separation of the um a what's the word that I called it. You can tell when a print job went incorrect if it uses more than three colors. Comic books can be expensive, 
but you have to accept it as a reality occasionally. Duplicates, therefore it's natural that occasionally there will be a slight deviation in the measurements. The use of faux stereoscopic effects was ingenious since they made the experience feel more real. It seems like depth of field, but it's really only an optical illusion, like in comic books. Gives you the impression of blurriness, but only because your eyes are tricking you into thinking there is blurriness where there is none. Blur, but it's not truly a blur, the depth of field effect is quite well done. You're right, it does wonders for the film's aesthetic, and it does look like nothing else we've seen. As a result, I believe those two things, and again, extremely imaginative applications. Houdini, in particular, has been brought up in discussions about this situation's rigs and splines. I saw this incredible presentation at where they used depth of field and stylized motion blur to great effect. FMX, the environment where all those cool gadgets, scripts, and plugins were created. Nuclear plant wherein select striations of Wall Street and the physical separation of fields was tunable. Red, green, and blue are hues to make it look more or less blurry, this is brilliant, it's a excellent application of stereoscopic techniques in an effort to distinguish between the hues. Using it for composting and cell shading in the same way. Look awful by adjusting the sliders for the frames and the the. Composting with a very powerful bomb was a major factor in the development of both the dot pattern and the halftone style. The pipeline, which is an intriguing application of nuclear power. Something like this since, once more, I've never seen a nuclear weapon utilized in this way before. Knew this that I'm assuming was a really excellent method for attaining a high degree of command, with all due respect. The procedure, which is both difficult and rewarding in terms of making the picture. Because the effect you wanted wasn't possible until compositing. Immediately following, uh, what any VFX artist is thinking, yeah, well that's what you do in. In the case of compositing, however, we had become accustomed to. Creating the final renders for computer-generated animations. Frame you do realize that a great deal of compositing is used in today's blockbuster animated features, right? Don't allow anyone tell you otherwise, but I do believe the population at large has. Mistaken belief that everything they need to know may be found in the color black. Blame them, but I get the impression that Pixar's history plays a role in this. Of their filmmaking techniques, and the way they sell the notion that the the. When frames leave the farm, they are already somewhat finished, so that's how they're advertised and sold. Contrary to popular belief, all of these studios compost quite a bit, with some studios composting more than others. There are others, such as Blue Sky, who historically did a lot of composting on their films and then, uh, moved on. Spectrum Pixar, the other studio, would compost less than Blue Sky, thus each studio has a unique pipeline. In that regard, however, Sony has historically maintained a sizable composting pipeline, they have done so throughout the whole of the company's existence. Taking use of it makes a lot of sense, especially considering how difficult parts of this would be to accomplish in 3D. It would be extremely time-consuming and expensive in terms of research and development, and you. When it comes to composting, know it nukes propensity for getting down and dirty quickly and efficiently is ideal. In keeping with the film's tone, which is similarly brisk and gritty. Image have a look at it, it's ideal for what they're going for, you know. Explosions. Sure, uh, there was some additional tech development at Imageworks that allowed for that. Things you take with you the one thing I loved most about. Once more in keeping with the film's 2D stylization elements. Houdini was unquestionably used for the explosions, but along with what? Analogous to the start of hand-drawn sections of it. Firework displays, and then improved with Houdini procedures to allow for things like Many of these things occur in the film's climactic battle, which is shot in 3D. Which, again, is kind of what has been going on, Collider, which I just think has. Featuring in a wide variety of 2D anime and manga films and shows. Considering the current on-screen explosions, I feel like I could. 
enjoy that the most, and I thought, wow, a whole series of just those kinds of explosions would be awesome to watch, but. I, uh, wrote an article about the film's after-effects around the time it was released. Explores some flatness, leading some to assume the characters were drawn that way. Also, they incorporated them into the scene, which they undoubtedly did, but the explosions still look like the work of Houdini. Sprite-like, I think is how you'd characterize them, yeah, yeah, it's like this, I guess. Those in the gaming business who are listening would recognize this as the traditional method by which explosives were implemented. Don't anymore since modern games are far too complex and lack suitable sim related in Houdini pipeline particle systems. Systems within the game's titles, but games didn't really have any of those until maybe five or seven years ago. Similar explosions were created by stacking many cards to provide the illusion of depth. Things in Z-Space, and this is, once again, quite clever, it fits very well. The film's visual style, which not only takes you back to the style of the comics, but also provides you with its own unique take on that style. In three dimensions, both literally and figuratively, the picture was released in stereoscopic 3D. Not only because of the 3D, but also because of the film's dynamism, which necessitates a great deal of camera movement, these glasses are a must-have. You couldn't have normal, sideways-looking sprites, they'd have to be facing the player. Camera and in certain depth aspects, so they would appear to be volumetric and that's. This is a brilliant application of Houdini, especially in terms of approach. Extraordinary and unremarkable at the same time, as you put it, none of this is novel. The irony here is that they just chose 5, 7, and 10. What they're doing here is astounding because of how well they're able to bind things together. Taking hold all right, let's get the explosions from my comic, and I'm just stealing their words here. Amazing 3D particle system, a la Spider-Man, please pass the frying pan. Magazine halftone lighting style, dotted appearance, please. Magazine let's have the Kirby slash curb slash whatever bubbles, please and thank you. Just combine everything, it sounds like an impractical collage, but for some reason, it works. Astonishing that they were able to make it work by combining so many different elements. Together once again in the composting process, of course, which is how you combine all these things, but hats off to composting anyway. The group since they did an excellent job in that regard, yeah. I mean, those explosions were awesome, so props to the 2D and 3D effect creators. Especially, as you point out, combining Kirby dots and other comic. Book of forms and, like, everything else. It's like a cat comic book, a catalog, and a highlight reel of our life together thus far. Comet comics have been a favorite of ours since we were young guys. When we were young, around age 5 to 8, we read these comics, and now we've finally reached that era where they've brought them to the screen, which is fantastic, and I can't look away. The best is yet to come, if I'm being completely honest, and I can't wait to see more movies that take use of this. Because I was sure that the second one was the last, and then I saw the first. More sophisticated pipelines and visual effects are at work in the second one. I was afraid it would be impossible to complete because it seemed so complicated, but. Yeah. The follow-up. The second film, although being a 3D one, manages to be even more impressionistic. We will discuss this analogous animated feature picture, although. Gwen's universe resembles a watercolor painting, but the visual quality of the story comes from more than just that. Anything else, like, uh, the India Spider-Man Mumbatten, yeah, um, and everything else that's been done in other locations. Everywhere it's just has that painterly vibe, they kind of hit it on the first film for a lot of images, but this one really nails it. The first film actually takes more cues from comic books than this one does. It's a different kind of comic book, but the second film seems to have been inspired by a painting style. The first film is the one that most people would associate with the standard 80s comic book of. In the wake of Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man, we may now move on to the Graphic novels from the late 1990s and early 2000s, and I just wanted to give a little shout-out to say that I loved them. Sounds and music. 
I'd prefer to comment that this praise isn't limited to the quality of the movie itself and its visuals. The picture, since I know we're only discussing the look, but the sound editing and score really made the experience for me. It's remarkable to see how similarly Escape is accomplished. The music was orchestrated, however there are a few articles online that may be checked out for further information on that. Oh, Daniel, uh, Pemberton, I'm the ARC is the music composer for both movie. I suppose that's how he's referred to, and what's really cool is that he employed the same style of. You know, they used the same collage technique for the audio that they did for the video. Here 80 piece orchestras on the picture, augmented with percussion and other instruments. Electronic music composed and performed with Piper and things like newspapers, drums, and out-of-tune instruments. Poor tuning and misaligned parts gave the impression that the instruments were out of tune. Weird, mangled, and perhaps funniest of all, he recorded an eight-piece P80 orchestra. I was listening to a record that he had scratched up to make the music sound like it was from other albums. In particular, I found the Prowler's music to be very eerie and atmospheric. Incredible, and it stems from some truly remarkable experimentation with sound. Analogous to the work Daniel is doing and, once more, to the approach they are. Great on the visual side, I also found the soundscapes to be really excellent on the follow-up, although the nods to the Prowler's then and now score detract slightly. The presence of bass is always eerie and unsettling. It's eerily effective, and it pairs superbly with the accompanying visuals. The Sunflower Song, presumably by Post Malone, is among the greatest used for this purpose. I saw that cartoon a gazillion times and listened to that song many times when it came out. In no way, shape, or form can we possibly cover everything related to this picture? The acting in such is a whole other can of worms that we won't be digging into here. I mean, the characters are great, and Nicolas Cage's performance is incredible. Putting the whole hamster wheel on him, or, as Penny put it, the spider ham. Peter B. Parker, another one of my favorite comedians, is also quite amusing. That's quite heartfelt and touching, don't you think? When I stated, yeah, forget the stylized look and feel, there's an emotion to this film, I didn't mean to imply that the film lacked feeling. Oh my god, that happened in the second movie, too. More so, exactly, and that's what makes this movie work, too, yeah and. I mean, you guys, using the multiverse like that to force you to pause is pretty ingenious. Imagine yourself in the role of Spider-Man, I can tell you that it is quite exciting. I think the Prowler sequences in the first one were particularly effective since they touched on some of these themes. I really hope everyone has seen the movie by this point, but if not, you may want to skip the next couple of paragraphs. Seconds when they realized it was his uncle I won't reveal what happens in the second film. I didn't cry throughout the second film, but I did during the first. Some scenes with Gwen and Peter B. Parker stood out, particularly at the beginning. Times when you feel like you've missed something and your eyes seem a little bit bleary. There are a couple points in the second film that I felt my stomach move a little up or something, and I'm sure it was because of the suspense. Happened to other individuals too, I get the sense that's what you're saying, and I think that's the case. The sequel is much more moving than the original, and there's something else about it that really moved me. Unlike the first, I enjoyed the second without feeling like there were too many fight scenes. Thought there was slightly less violence and slightly greater character growth, and that this was the case. I really enjoy the fact that you are stating things like, I wish those other shots were in and maybe some few fights could go way out. I really enjoy how the plot and people take center stage in the sequel, which has hardly no fighting. There are only a few breathtaking action sequences, but there's a lot more restraint, which is brilliant because it creates a more stirring odyssey. I loved the first picture and thought it was great, but the second film didn't wow me as much. The Godfather Part 2 is one of those few cases in which the sequel exceeds the quality of the original. Where the second installment improves upon the first, Hugo, you and I should probably keep that topic for another time. To sum up. Distinct episode but well, 
I've been enjoying watching this movie again from 2018. Anyone who hasn't seen it should do so immediately, I didn't see it till the year 200. 3. I'm sure you'll get some hate comments on that, but that's fine, since I'd really like to get a lot of hate mail on this movie. To Hugo, and I want twice as much hate mail on The Revenant sent to Hugo, alright? Alright, everyone, thanks a lot, and let's wrap this up, Hugo. Our sincere appreciation goes out to all of our patrons, both old and new. Thank you so much Hugo, this conversation about the Spider-Man universe has been fantastic. It was awesome, alright, so thanks to everyone, and I'll see you later.